Welcome to the summer series of Tales from the Fourth Trimester. For five years now, I've been having conversations with people about postpartum, women who've been through it, experts in the space, and everyone in between. This series is my greatest hits, the episodes that I personally love, the episodes that got you DMing me furiously, that landed me on the front page of the newspaper, and that I hope really helped. So enjoy this summer season and I'll see you on the flip side. This episode is sponsored by The Whole Bowl Co, a fabulous meal delivery service that's in New South Wales, the ACT, Victoria, South Australia and Queensland. If you know me, you know that I'm a big believer in making food a massive priority in postpartum and that's where The Whole Bowl can really help. They make and deliver nourishing meals that not only help mothers to replenish those nutrient stores that are under the pump during pregnancy and postpartum, but also take the stress off the whole family. After all, the postpartum period is a time for mum and bub to be bonding and for parents to rest and recover. The Whole Bowl's recipes and ingredients are nutritionist approved, made using whole foods and cooked to perfection in small batches. It's a great way to support yourself during postpartum and makes a wonderful gift for a new parent or someone who just needs a little TLC. Head to www.thewholebowlco.com.au to put in your order. And now to the episode. Hi everyone. Um, I just wanted to stop in, say hello and give you a little update on reaching the six week postpartum milestone. Um, in our sort of Western culture, six weeks seems to be a milestone for going to, um, get checked out by the GP. Um, we often talk about getting through the first six weeks of breastfeeding. Um, and in other cultures, 40 days or 42 days is considered the most important sort of sacred window of time to set yourself up for um, future health. So the Chinese believe that the first 40 days dictates how well you're going to do health-wise for the next 40 years. So I just thought I would check in and let you know how it's all been going. I feel like I need to really apologize in advance because my words are just not coming out properly. I really have baby brain big time and I'm noticing it massively. It's hectic. I feel like I just can't get things right. And often I'll sort of say something to Michael and he'll be like, hang on, can you just say that again? Because I just haven't got it right. Like the other day, I was like, oh, I've got to defrost that. No, I just want to say, so I can't even get it right. It's like, no, I've, I've got to download that. And he's like, download what? I was like, oh God, I mean defrost. Like everything is just muddled. Um, and I know from this, from the work that I do and this, the studies that I've done, it's happening for a really important reason. So all the cognitive stuff, like getting your words straight, isn't important at the moment. So it's kind of like your brain is a filing cabinet. It's dumping everything out and it's only taking back in what's important. Um, it's creating more space for the caregiving and the compassion. So if you're someone who cries more since you've become a mother, there is a reason for that. And that's because your brain has changed. Your brain is more plastic, um, after, uh, during birth and after, sorry, see, here we go. During pregnancy and after birth than like any other time in your life, maybe, or maybe it's this as much as adolescence. Don't quote me on that. 
Point is, it's really plastic. Things are changing quickly. I can't get my words out. Let's see how we go on this. (laughs) Um, Okay, so where do I even start with postpartum? I think probably I want to start by telling you what I ate first thing. I, it was my little dream to have bone broth immediately after birth. It was also my dream to have my doula or Michael or my mom or someone who was going to be there pretty soon thereafter cooking up a um, dry mix, which I'd made up. So I made up a kitchery dry mix. I made up a Nepalese rice pudding dry mix for the pantry. Um, And all you kind of have to do with those is like add a chopped onion and water kind of thing. But that didn't happen because I was so kind of in shock by the birth and, I mean, in shock in a good way, um, just so surprised by everything, how it all happened, uh, that it was like I, I just completely forgot. So I did have bone broth because when I went into labour early in the piece, I was kind of compass enough to say to Michael, pull that bone broth out of the free- out of the freezer, pop it in the sink to defrost which he did. So I had a beautiful cup of beef bone broth, which I spiced mine with um, star anise and cloves and um, ginger. And it's really beautiful. I've had some bone broths that just taste like literally bones and it's not cool. Um, but it was lovely to have. And I also had Jerusha, my jeweler, said, what do you want? And instead of saying to her, oh, there's a dry mix packet that's waiting to be made up. I was like, you know what? I just like toast with Vegemite and avocado and that's what I had. And I think for me that kind of has set the tone for the rest of postpartum, which is that I've kind of, I've kept all the traditional stuff in mind and I've kind of aimed for that, but I've also done things according to just kind of how I felt, sometimes for better and sometimes for worse. The Vegemite and Avo on toast was delicious. No regrets about that. It's not at all Ayurvedic. It's not at all um, traditional, but it was bloody good. And also because I hadn't really been eating much in the way of toast with gestational diabetes during my pregnancy, it was really nice just to have that and not even stress about sugar levels. Just be like, I am done. I can throw out the insulin. I can throw out my glucometer. I'm, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Although I will get my um, HbA1c, which is your, oh God, I don't even know how to describe it, but I'll get checked out in a couple of months to make sure that there's no lingering diabetic stuff happening. So yeah, food, the biggest game changer for me, but not only for me, for our whole family in postpartum was having a meal train. So um, quite a lot of people have asked me how I organize this. Basically, I was a chicken and rather than actually just go around and ask friends and family to be part of a meal train, I passed the responsibility on. (laughs) Um, Partly because I was feeling so awkward about asking for help. I'm not immune to that kind of feeling. Um, but also because I, I realized that it would probably be better if I wasn't handling it. So I wouldn't have to deal with inevitable, you know, questions or whatever that came up. So I asked, um, my good friend Gypsy, 
to take it on for us. So she set up the meal train using a website called, guess what, mealtrain.com. And basically what it is, is you set it up. It's like, this is a meal train for the Chrysalakis family. Here is what they um, do and don't eat. Like we just, we don't eat pork. We don't eat lamb. So we put that on there. Um, Gypsy said, you know, they don't want um, visitors at the moment. And because of COVID, like it's better if it's contactless. So sort of setting out the expectations and the boundaries right up the front. And then people um, just chose a date. They picked a date from a calendar and they said what they would bring or it said TBC. And that was that. Um, I say that was that, except that Cormac decided to be two weeks late. So we had planned and set up the meal train to start a week after he was born. But because he was two weeks late, (laughs) poor Gypsy, like every day was like, um, (laughs) is he born yet? So we just pushed it back by one week. So that basically meant that people then had to just jump back on or the people who are in the first week had to jump back on and um, choose a different date. So it felt like I felt like I was being a huge nuisance and in my kind of late, late pregnancy emotional state, I felt really shitty about it. Like I felt annoyed about it at no one except the baby really and the situation Um, and also that I was being that annoying person. But, you know, emotions were high, let's just put it that way. So the meal train meant that basically every day for um, a month we had meals coming in. There were some breaks where we had a couple of days where we didn't have meals and honestly we needed it because we had so many, so much food, so many leftovers. It wasn't just covering dinner, it was covering leftovers. People were also being like, here we're, you know, giving you a dessert as well. Here's a block of chocolate, here's a bunch of flowers. Like it was, people were so kind and every time I even saw someone had signed up, I would get a lump in my throat. It was completely amazing. And it was a really nice way to have contact with people because I did want to not have any visitors, partly because I just didn't feel like that was the kind of postpartum I wanted. I wanted to really hunker down. And also because of COVID, it meant that I would say to people, like if I saw it was, you know, water, whoever's day, I'd text them, I'd say, you know, let me know when you're sort of here and if I'm awake, like send me a text, if I'm awake, you know, I'd love to say hello. So most typically I'd just go to the door holding the baby, say a quick hello, like no hugs and kisses, but just hello, how are you? Like a five minute chat on the doorstep, which was really all that I could honestly manage. I know that sounds ridiculous, but mentally conversations I found very, very draining in those first few weeks. Um, And then they would hand over the food and away we'd go. We got the most delicious stuff. Honestly, it was just incredible. And the best thing was not only didn't we didn't have to think about cooking, we didn't think, have to think about shopping either. Like because we weren't making any food, it was all taken care of. As long as we kind of had bread and eggs, you know, we were sort of set. Um, and a lot of people checked in with us to ask if we wanted to, them to bring anything when they were on their way. We had neighbours checking in. It was amazing. So that, I, I just think that if everyone had a meal train, the world would be a better place. And I think not only do you get a lot out of it, but the people who want to give you something get a lot out of it too because they know that they're doing something that's useful. It's for the whole family and it's not going to go to waste. Like you just never know what people really need unless you ask them. And for us, what we really needed 
was that. We've got tons and tons of um, baby clothes and hand-me-downs, which is amazing. Still got a lot of Margot's stuff. So, yeah, we didn't need any more things. What else? Breastfeeding. So the first couple of days after Mac was born, um, my nipples were quite tender and I was a little bit like, oh, God, is this the start of that soreness that I had with Margot, which lasted for a number of weeks last time around. But no, it wasn't. It was just nipple tenderness for like two, three days. I didn't get massively engorged um, when my milk came in. Uh, And honestly, it's been a much smoother ride this time around than it was with Margot with breastfeeding. I mean, with everything, to be honest, it's been a lot smoother. And I'm sure that's mostly because I've done it before. Um, Mac is just a lot more settled than Margot was. Um, I, in hindsight now, looking back, I'm like, I wonder if the tongue tie had something to do with it. I just don't know. I will, I guess I will never really know what was going on there. Um, whether I should have got it fixed, but it's all, you know, 2020 vision in hindsight, isn't it? So yeah, Mac's been a lot, um, more chill in terms of sleep, which I'll get onto, but yes, breastfeeding has been a much smoother ride. Um, I still have a fast letdown. I still have a lazy right boob. (laughs) Um, I didn't find that I leaked as much in the early days. I'm leaking more now than I did in the first few weeks, which I find really interesting. Um, I don't have that. Like at first your boobs get full and you feel that they're quite full and then they go soft. That's stopped now. Before I get on to sleep, I just wanted to talk about the continuity of care. So my midwife, who I'm going to get on the podcast, looked after me from when I was 14 weeks pregnant until I was six weeks postpartum. And she came, I'm going to forget now, but I feel like she came maybe three times in the first week and then slowly the visit sort of tapered off. Um, and she was on text for me all the time. I was sending her pictures of literally like blood clots coming out. It it was hilarious. I sent her a picture of a big blood clot that I had come out. I said, oh my God, is this normal? This is like a huge blood clot. And she was like, yep, yep. That's all fine. Just, you know, as long as you're not, um, soaking a pad and all this kind of stuff. And then she told me that the next day she'd been on like a screen sharing Zoom call with someone. And so that had, because it's all synced up, that had popped up uh, on her, on the other person's screen as well, like a professional call saying, um, <laughs> this just popped, popped out of my vagina. Fortunately, it was another midwife, so she totally got it. Um, but it was just good to be able to like, literally I took a photo of Max Nappy, which was like a, kind of like a quite orangey poo and I sent it to um I sent it to Joe said is this normal because it went from like meconium to like kind of a fluoro orange it's like yep that's your transitional milk all these things that were that I was just not sure about so Joe was amazing to have and just she was so all about reassuring me it was far less about like she did weigh him and all of those things but it was much less about that stuff and more about 
how are you feeling, love? Like, how are things going? She's so calm. Um, and she's just like, God, it's just going so well. Like, that's sort of affirming language. She's like, it's just going so well. You're doing brilliantly. He's just perfect. And I'd say things like, oh, well, I mean, I guess it's go. And she'd be like, it is. It couldn't go any better. Like, it was it was just so amazing. Um, and we debriefed about the birth, which I found super helpful. And we just, every time she'd be like, have you thought more? Has other things? come up for you about the birth you know what are you remembering and we just like I just talked and talked and talked until I feel like I got it all out and I did the same thing with Jerusha as well she came to visit a couple of times in that first week and we debriefed and we talked everything through and she saved me on night two that night where the baby's really calling the milk in and oh my God, he just would not settle. And I know that he, like, I knew he was fine. I know about normal behavior for night two, but I started to get in my own head around maybe he, maybe there is something wrong. Maybe my milk, maybe there is something going on with my booze, mate, you know, all of the doubts and fears came flooding back in because that was the night with Margot that I think things really got a bit out of control for me when I was alone and in hospital and my anxiety just absolutely kicked off from there and it was a bit awful. Um, so this time around it, I felt quite triggered by it and I felt myself sort of spiralling. So I said, I told Michael, I was like, I can feel myself really just going into anxiety mode. And he was like, why don't you text your issue? I was like, okay. I was like, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I know what's going on. And then like 10 minutes later, I was like, okay, I'm going to text her. Um, and I did. And she, I, I put it up in my, screenshotted what she said to me and put it up in my stories because it was so amazing. I'm going to see if I can find it, but I'll keep talking while I do that. Um, but she just absolutely talked me off the ledge. Where is it? I'm going to find it now. Okay, here we go. So I said to her, of course, after saying how well I was feeling and how satisfied Cormac was, we've had an unsettled evening and I've totally crashed and feeling like shit. He's getting frustrated after getting a few gulps and then nothing more. My milk mustn't be in still. We're just going back and forth between boobs and screaming intervals. Any suggestions for how to get some sleep tonight? That was at 9.40 p.m. Jerusha said, oh, honey, that's rough. What's happening is probably exactly what's needed to bring your milk in properly. You might not get loads of sleep and you're going to have to surrender to that. Best thing you can do is set times with Michael. Maybe he can take him into the lounge for an hour here and there to give you a breather. Remember, you can sleep tomorrow. You have no other jobs to do. Are you able to feed sideline? Also, it might not be as bad as you think it will. He might conk out at 11 p.m. or 1 a.m. You just not don't know. So try not to build it up to be terrible before it's happened. That, and even like reading that back, I'm like, oh my God, like that is the best advice. I feel like I just need to copy and paste that and send it to everyone who's on night two because she was bang on and I was catastrophizing. I was already spiraling into, oh my God, we're going to have an awful night. And you know what? It did bring my milk in the very next day. I was drowning. He was drowning in milk. Um, he settled down around midnight. It was, and he, and then he was fine after that. So there you go. Um, that's just to show what a difference having good support means to people and having someone who actually knows, like there's so many times when 
that I've heard where people go, oh, my milk wasn't coming in, so I had to use formula. Um, now I'm not saying like you shouldn't use formula, but I feel like that can often happen on that night too or in the first few days when milk's still not in properly and what needs to happen is that awful patch of just crying and sucking and crying and sucking and when you introduce formula often that can then mess with that cycle um not to say that you can't get things back on track and that you know there's anything wrong with you know formula or mixed feeding or whatever you you choose to do but if you're breastfeeding goals have been derailed because of bad advice that makes me really fucking pissed off um and it is bad advice to say yeah just like give them a bottle of formula unless it's medically indicated um then i you know i I think that's bad advice anyway i'm totally getting off topic um what else to tell you guys i'm just can you tell that i'm rushing through this it's because there's preschool pickup happening in five minutes time and my battery is at 11 percent. i don't want to miss anything out um so physically i've been feeling really quite well to the point that two weeks like I, for the first two weeks I was in bed I was really resting lots of naps happening um, Michael gave me lots of time to myself by taking Margot out it was amazing then sort of two weeks in I was like I feel great I feel fantastic like I'm only lightly bleeding and I just started to do a bit too much like when I say too much I mean like went for a walk and went out to the shops or like real and I stopped napping like I just was not taking it easy enough and and like literally just lying down enough I was up I was pottering I was doing stuff I was you know just just up and about way too much and then I had a couple of days where I felt like absolute shit mentally um my anxiety I felt flared up which to me feels like this kind of nervous energy where I can't sit still um I feel like I'm on high alert, like really, really high alert. And I'm a bit obsessive about things and I start getting fixated on stuff. And I don't even know how to describe it except that I'm, yeah, I'm on like high alert and high, a bit like slightly manic and a bit um, like a sort of brittle, brittle nerves <laughs> way to describe it. Um, so I knew what to do. I went to bed. I told Michael, I was like, tomorrow I don't need to stay in bed all day. He's like, that's fine. We'll make it work. And we did. And I got in touch with my naturopath who made up some herbs for me, which were absolutely disgusting to take, but work. And what else did I do? I think those are the two main things that I did, um, which I did not do first time around. And I felt fine. Like I had a couple of days of feeling a bit uh, like that. And then it, it totally cleared and it didn't get any worse. So that was really good. Um, I just did so much snuggling with him in that first two weeks. So it was lovely. And then after kind of got resetting, I have slowly, slowly sort of gotten back to normal. I also feel like these days, like the last sort of week, I've, when I've tried to nap, I can't nap. And I'd like to nap, so I don't know what that's about. But one thing that I really do need to do, which I was doing a lot more of, and it I've sort of forgotten about it is meditating. So I was meditating a lot more and um, just in the last week, like I meditated yesterday because I realized it had been a whole week since I'd done anything. And I was wondering why I was feeling a little bit irritable. 
Uh, I was like, I haven't been meditating, so I'm really going to try to get back on that. I just do this great 15-minute meditation on Insight Timer called meditation, a morning meditation for mothers by someone called Fleur Chambers. I really like it. Um, and so I'm really going to try hard to keep that going because it does just help my brain and help my patience levels. So the most challenging part of postpartum so far has actually been um, adjusting to life with two kids. And one of those kids being a very full on four year old who just has no concept of personal space and doesn't mean to, but will accidentally like pull my hair or you know, swing her foot foot really close to the baby's head and it's a work in progress, but I think the first two weeks were the worst. She was just so excited um, and just wanted to be on the baby and on me and kissing him, but like this kissing like really hard on his head and wanting to sit, like she'd want to sit on his lap. Okay, Michael's giving me the wind it up signal because um, preschool pickups happening. So she'd um, she'd want to sit on my lap while he was feeding, which sometimes I could do. But then when she's like, you know, kissing him, prodding me, like I was getting really physically touched out from her, um, which was interesting. So I would really have to take a deep breath and sometimes I'd have to ask her to give me some space which most of the time didn't work (laughs) and then I would have to usually get Michael to come and and take her and redirect her somewhere else so that was yeah the first couple of weeks were really hard from that front um and I felt really guilty that I was getting annoyed with her um and I still have moments where I feel guilty because my fuse is shorter I don't know if it's my fuse is shorter. I just feel more stretched. Um, there have definitely been a couple of days where I've kind of been running between the two of them, um, you know, Max crying and um, I've got to attend to him and she's going, Mama, can you do – and I want to be with her and fill her cup and help her out and, you know, make sure she's not feeling rejected he needs me. Um, and then, so I'm trying to run between them and then I end up just being like, Oh, I can't do this. Like that happened just the, was it yesterday, the day before? Um, and I was sort of not really taking the time to put him down properly for a nap. And, but because I was trying to be with her and anyway, I just ended up being like, Oh my God, I can't actually do this. And I sort of, told Michael that I was like I just can't I'm just feeling so stressed and he was like it's fine he's always like it's fine so yeah that's been that's been quite tricky um for me Margot seems to be adjusting really well um she's definitely pushing boundaries but she is quite a boundary pushing kind of kid anyway so I don't feel like that's um you know, anything particularly new. The best thing has been starting her back at preschool because she's getting so much stimulation while she's there and she's getting a lot of playtime. She doesn't have adults saying, no, just wait a minute, I've just got to put the load of washing on. Like she's got all her buddies there who she's playing with. Um, and so that's been that's been really good. It's been a good call. So really happy about that. Um, I mentioned food a little bit earlier and the meal train. I just wanted to circle back to that and talk a little bit about my approach because I, in an ideal world, would have loved to do sort of the Ayurvedic protocol. And a lot of the food that I cooked and froze is that sort of um, 
classic postpartum, slow-cooked um, meals, slow-cooked stews, kitchery, dal, those sorts of things. Um, because when we did the meal train, though, we – what, you know, we didn't dictate to people what they should make for us. Um, and we got some absolutely bloody delicious food. So I, we kind of ended up doing a bit of a mix. Um, I was having my lactation tea, lactation tea. Yes, I had that. Um, lactation cookies, um, that I'd baked and frozen. I was having, um, meals for the meal train. I was having bone broth. I was having soup that my beautiful postpartum doula Janine made for me. And I was adding sort of ghee into porridge and all of that kind of stuff. And then we would have, you know, someone would make us a beautiful like chicken and mushroom pie for dinner, which was divine. Um, so, but not, you know, Ayurvedic. So what, oh, that's Marco. Can you go and find daddy, please? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so it was kind of a mix, um, which I think is pretty realistic. Um, it, it would be lovely to do the full-on, you know, 42 days, and I know people who have done that and people who offer that, and I think it's a beautiful service um, and a beautiful thing to do. Uh, it just didn't – that's just not how it kind of went down for us, and uh, I really liked how, how we kind of did it. It was just all – you know, cherry-picked bits and pieces from everywhere, which has kind of been the approach to sleep as well. So I was very kindly gifted a snoo, which I've had so many messages from people asking me about the snoo and how I'm finding it and all of those sorts of things. Um, and honestly, I interviewed Dr. Harvey Karp, who's the pediatrician behind the snoo and behind a very, very popular and fantastic book that I recommend highly to everyone called The Happiest Baby on the Block. Um, when I spoke to him and he was telling me about the snoo, I thought it sounded mostly amazing, a little bit weird, <laughs> and I just didn't know whether it would work or whether I liked the idea of outsourcing sleeping and settling and stuff to a machine. I was just like, I don't know about this. And I put it to him, you know, what, what's your argument for people who say that it could get in the way of, you know, bonding and stuff. He made some really good points. And, you know, if you want to hear more about that, you can go and listen to that episode. One of the things that stood out to me about what he was saying was that, you know, back in the day, you would have either lived with a grand, your grandma and the cousins and the aunties and all of that, um, you know, several other people who would be there to hold the baby while you ate a meal, had a shower, you know, they would be patting the baby to sleep and rocking the baby to sleep and all of that stuff. Um, but these days we don't have that so much. Or I don't. Um, and then layered on top of that, you've got COVID where we were self-isolating through pregnancy. We haven't had any visit except for my parent visitors, except for my parents who live over the other side of the city anyway. So it's not like they can just, you know, pop over five minutes down the road. And so when he said that combined with a couple of other things, which is that he, it can't lull a hungry baby back to sleep. Um, you know, if the baby is crying for more than a minute, they actually recommend you stop the machine and you pick them up. So it's not like it's some kind of, um, you know, disguise for a cry it out method. 
it actually stops altogether if it senses that the baby's been crying or, or even squawking for three minutes, it switches off altogether. Um, but the instructions are if your baby's um, been squawking for a minute, then it's likely not going to work and you need to pick them up. So I, I think that that's really sensible advice. Um, anyway, what was I going to say? Yes. So I kind of thought of it as let's see how we go with it and let's consider it as a tool in our arsenal. Um, I was really apprehensive about sleep with, I was apprehensive about sleep because of my experience with Margot. She was someone who needed a lot of support to go to sleep. Um, she would have to be on the boob to go to sleep. Uh, she would often need to be in a darkened room being padded, you know, me like dancing around, singing to her, not dancing around, but, you know, in the dark, doing that kind of mum's way, padding, singing, 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 padding, padding, you know, it was quite painful. Um, the snoo has been so amazing for the whole settling thing. So with Mac, what I do is um, I'll feed him. He Sometimes he falls asleep on the boob. I pop him in the snoo. He might, you know, crack open his eyes and then he goes back to sleep. Um, sometimes he wakes up almost fully. Um, but more often than not, I'm feeding him. He's still awake, but, you know, the drowsy but awake thing. And I put him in the snoo, put him in the swaddle. It's like a, a arms down swaddle and then you zip them up in a little swaddle suit and it rocks him basically. So it's a combination of motion and white noise and it senses if the baby is sort of unsettled and squawking, complaining, it will up, up the level. I think there's four levels that it goes through. Um, and yeah, it's been so great for that. Mac has been going down for naps really quite easily. I'd say 90% of the time it works. It means that it frees me up. So I say it's time for sleep. He's fed. Um, I pop him in there and then I can go off and have a shower um, or I can go off and play with Margot or, you know, just do those little things. Um, and I usually, you know, give it a couple of minutes and then just go and peek my head in the doorway and see if he's um, fallen asleep. And he usually has. There have been times when he hasn't and he's just complained and I've sort of gone, okay, I've given it a couple of minutes. I never leave him to, you know, really cry hard. It's just more like a, rah, rah, you know, those sorts of complaints. And if he's not, a, if he doesn't go off to sleep within, you know, the sort of few minutes, then I'll go in and I'll reassure him or I'll pick him up and I'll feed him and then I pop him back in and then it, I don't think there's been a time when it hasn't eventually worked. Um, so that's been fantastic. We don't do every single nap in there. Um, when he was smaller, I was popping him in the carrier sort of late afternoon because he seemed to really want to just be close to me. Um, so he'd go in the stretchy wrap sort of for the evening and I'd sit and eat dinner with him in the stretchy wrap. Um, we've also got one of those um, Snuggle Me Organic kind of lounges, which has been quite good for um, 
when he was smaller, if I wanted to, if he'd fallen asleep on me and I wanted him in the common area, like in the kitchen or the living room, we would put the Snuggle Me organic on the lounge or on the floor or in the Moses basket, which is his change basket. And he would sleep um, swaddled in that and in, and in there. So it's kind of been a combination of things, but what I'm trying to do more these days, I'm not putting him in the carrier for the late afternoon sleep only because he doesn't seem to need it or want it. Um, like currently it is quarter past five and he's sleeping in the snoo. So it was a little patch of a couple of weeks where he would only really want to do morning sleeps in the snoo. Now he's doing every sleep that he's at home, basically. Um, well, I'd say most of those sleep, there's maybe one where he's in the, um, the, 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 what am I trying to say? The snuggle me organic. So he, his kind of routine is he's awake for around an hour and then he'll go down and sometimes he sleeps for 40 minutes. Sometimes he sleeps for an hour and a half. I'm not stressing too much about sleep cycles or anything like that. He'll, he'll link them and all of that kind of stuff when he's ready. I don't, I'm not going to waste the mental energy on it. I did that. It was really boring <laughs> and it doesn't make a difference really. So it certainly didn't to me anyway. Um, at night we are bed sharing, uh, which we've been doing since day one. So that was a conscious decision because we love it. We loved doing it with Margot. We didn't do it from day dot with her, um, but we really, it works really well for our family and we follow all of the safe um, sleep advice. So he is unswaddled in the bed. He goes in a um, sleeveless uh, sleeping bag. He's on his back. Um, there's no blankets covering him. He sort of is in his own little sleep sack. I have the blankets down to my waist and I wear my, um, my robe, which is sort of tucked behind me. So there's no, um, fabric or anything near him. The pillow is like way up, um, behind my arm. It's kind of hard to explain without showing you, which is hard on a podcast, but yeah, so uh, we follow all of those sorts of things, um, and it's it's really nice and he's touch wood a bit of a unicorn sleeper where he'll wake up once or twice a night so um i usually feed him when we're going to bed at you know 9 30 10 and then he will wake up once or twice um from there so i think that's been one of the the best things is we haven't been too sleep deprived naps have been really easy with the snoo I've got to say like it's made life a lot easier especially with having Margot um you know need wanting attention and stuff like yes there's two of us which is fantastic but sometimes you know I want to go and and sit with her and play with her um and eat my breakfast and you know self-care stuff as well like make sure I'm going and taking my supplements so having just that extra it does feel like an extra set of hands obviously nothing would ever replace like an actual grandmother living in the house with you but it certainly doesn't come with any kind of uh criticism or judgment about your parenting uh so there's that too so yeah I will do a more detailed review at three months because I feel like it's been six weeks and at this point I think it's fantastic and highly recommend and we'll just see what happens as sleep continues to evolve and change over the next, um, you know, six weeks or so. But, yeah, I think it's been incredible and, you know, I really was quite sceptical. So I'm 
I'm thrilled. Um, what else to tell you? Um, oh, relationship stuff. I wanted to cover off that a little bit. Um, Michael and I did talked a lot in my pregnancy um, and in the last sort of weeks of pregnancy about making sure that we were communicating. Um, and I feel like that is happening a lot better than it was happening first time round. I'm a lot better at saying to him, I'm feeling really stressed. I need some time alone or I'm just going to go and meditate. Um, I'm a lot better at asking for that kind of stuff that I need like today. Uh, last night I was getting really irritated and I was like, right, I need to go and meditate. Can you just, you know, hold the baby for 15 minutes? And I went and I meditated and I felt much better. Um, and today I went to the women's physio to get um, checked out and he was at home with the baby and I expressed and um, that's absolutely nothing to do with the relationship, but I feel like I wouldn't have necessarily had the confidence to do that last time around. Um, so I feel like we're, you know, we, we've had moments where we've got irritated with each other, definitely, um, and most of that has been sort of just trying to work out the or new order of things like getting stuff confused or I thought you were going to do that. No, I thought you were going to do that, that kind of thing, um, rather than any kind of relationship dramas. But, you know, give us <laughs> give us time. Um, so I feel like we're doing reasonably well on the communication front. I'm really trying hard to give him um, some time off as well, make sure he still gets time for himself because he's not so good at taking that time. So I'm sort of reminding him and sort of saying, why don't you go and have a coffee for yourself or by yourself or whatever. Um, and that was certainly something when we had Janine, um, our postpartum doula come in, uh, that was really great for giving him a bit of a break so she came once when Margot was here and she did some cooking with Margot and hung out with her while I had a rest um there were another few times when she just came and I rested and she did stuff around the house and that was amazing um and a lot of the time we were just talking and you know troubleshooting some you know stuff and me asking her about how do you use the dummy and how do you do this because I didn't have a dummy user um and Cormac still doesn't he, he's kind of okay with the dummy but he won't really take it like sometimes he'll let me stick it in his mouth and I sort of hold him against my chest but um we don't really need it so I don't think I'm really gonna push it to be honest um same thing with the bottle he's not really into it and that's something I would like him to take a little bit more just in case we need that option um so we'll 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 work on that a little bit more but I'm not actually that stressed about it happening or not we'll just kind of keep persisting a little bit but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill myself over it what else to tell you I feel like I'm probably missing big chunks of this six weeks because everything is a blur. My memory is absolutely shot to pieces. Um, and actually that's one thing that's been quite interesting to observe is I went through a period around the three-week mark where maybe it was to do with the anxiety, I don't know, but 
I got, I was getting really excited about stuff and I wanted to do things. I'm getting a bit obsessive around like, right, <laughs> we're going to move house. We're going to move out of Sydney. We're going to, you know, move to the central coast. Or then I would be like, right, I'm going to start flipping houses. That's my new career. Um, and what was the other thing that, I, oh, like I've got this idea, which I think I actually will go through with. I want to do a, um, uh, like a workshop for people who want to learn how to write for their small business and do um, copywriting and social media. And like, I would just kind of come up with these ideas and sort of being like, oh, cool, that's quite a good idea. I'll think about that. I would get really, really excited about it. And like in the case of sort of central coast obsessively start looking at real estate go to the central coast for a day um you know just kind of get almost a bit manic with each of those different things and then like 48 hours later I'd be like oh why was I so excited about that like yeah cool like we're still thinking about all those things but not in the kind of same like really hyped up way so that's been quite interesting to look at in hindsight and I'm curious to see what other things I come up with as total change of life plans. One, someone once told me, which I thought was really good advice, like don't ever cut your hair when you're in that postpartum period because you're not thinking straight and it's so true. Um, I would just add to that now, don't like change your career or move um, houses during the postpartum period either because I I don't know, there's something about this like maybe it's a nesting thing where you're just like, right, I need to sort stuff out, get things resolved. I don't know. So, yeah. Uh, I think that was the last thing that I wanted to add. I'm sure I'm forgetting things, but I think I've ticked off the big ones. If there's anything that uh, you particularly wanted to ask me, um, you can DM me anytime on Instagram and I will happily get back to you. Um, yeah, so I hope that wasn't too much of a ramble and I will keep oversharing on the podcast and on Instagram where I am at Cocoon by Naomi. Thanks for listening. Bye.